yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody will, I don't think anybody will care if we're shit talking Dapper Wabs before the, before the show starts. Yeah, and, and as we're shit talking, I'm, I'm joining the NFL All Day queue and still trying to get into the UFC queue. So, yeah. Do you think the football ones are going to be profitable? It seems like there's so many of them that they're printing. I think so because I think the ones that are right now are going to be, I mean, they, they're the debut moments. So that's that's something I focus on on Top Shot is I try to find, you know, the debut moments of the best players. And I feel like at least these packs you have, you know, you can get the debut moments of quarterbacks. So I think they'll be profitable, but I, don't, I mean, not all of them. So I think, you know, we're not, we're not going back to early yeah, Top good. Shot days. It is the awesome NFL tournament strategy show for the second round of the NFL playoffs, which I'm hoping is going to go a little bit better than the first round of the playoffs. Not even just from a DFS standpoint, but the games largely just kind of sucked in the first round of the playoffs. It was a lot of blowouts, a lot of non-competitive games. For this weekend, though, we've got four games, obviously all good teams at this point. And the largest spread of any game, Packers, five-point favorites over the 49ers. It looks like we should get more competitive games this weekend. Neil? Which game are you looking forward to watching the most this weekend? I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be the Bills Chiefs uh, in part because it's the last game, so it's gonna decide everything. In part because all of my remaining best ball teams uh, <laughs> are based on those two quarterbacks, um, and in part just because that's a really fun game. It's gonna be a should be a, a shootout, um, fun fun team. So I think that's probably the one that I'm looking forward to the most. But honestly, I'm gonna probably watch all of them. I'm looking forward to watching all of them. Fifty-four points. Yeah, and also to your point, 54 point total, way higher than any other total on the slate. So I assume that's going to be a game that a lot of us are building our lineups around. A lot of players project well there. It's going to be fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to these games. And I was skeptical of a lot of the primetime NFL product this year, which I think anybody who's reasonably minded should have been. There was a lot of bad primetime games this year. But I think all of these games should be good games this weekend. So I'm really excited for them. And I hope you guys are too. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Because in addition to this video, there's so much other football content that's going to be on the site for this weekend. We've got a bunch of hours of shows tomorrow. And now I know Neil did on the contrary with Rinpack earlier today. So check out all that stuff as well. All good content. Also shout out to Jock Market, who is sponsoring today's show. Let's start by talking about the quarterbacks. And we've got a lot of the top fantasy quarterbacks in the league on the slate today. But I want to ask you also, how are you going to handle the lower end guys? Because when we've got studs like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, how does that make you evaluate guys like Ryan Tannehill and Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you really have any intention of getting to these guys at, at any kind of high clip? I wouldn't say that I have any intention to get into them, to them at any kind of high clip, uh, particularly Jimmy Garoppolo. I just I feel like I can almost write Jimmy Garoppolo off. I don't want to write any quarterback off on a four game slate. I'll probably play some Jimmy Garoppolo, but we only have him in the top stack 2.3 percent of the time. It's not like he's going he's going over owned currently in the top stacks tool. Um, so. The only real reason to get to Jimmy Garoppolo is that he is the cheapest quarterback by 600. So we talked about this a lot last week that, uh, you know, that sometimes that can allow you to get to builds that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get to. But I think for the most part, just given how many of the quarterbacks on this slate have such high upside, there could be, you know, I would expect that there's going to be a gap between the high end and the low end a little bit. Ryan Tannehill, I have a little bit more interest in just because he's playing against the Bengals. I could kind of see that game shooting out a little bit more easily. And I think he's a little bit, better of a quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, more likely to put up fantasy points. So I think I'll get to more Ryan Tannehill than Jimmy Garoppolo, but my guess is that those two are going to be my lowest owned quarterbacks of the eight. One thing that kind of surprises me is I'm just looking through some of the ownership here is one of the things that I would look at to some of these cheaper quarterbacks were just clearly not as good as the top end quarterbacks on the slate would be like, all right, it, maybe if I get them at two or 3%, they're kind of owned though. It's not like we're getting these guys at some crazy reduced ownership. Ryan Tannehill is comparable ownership to Matthew Stafford. He's more popular than Joe Burrow, about the same ownership as Aaron as Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. We've got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in 20 and 18% of lineup. So both of them are expected to be a little more popular in the field. But, you know, 10.5% for Tannehill, 7.5% for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not like we're getting some crazy ownership discount on them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's why they don't look good. It's just because yeah. they're getting so much ownership. It's hard to really 
want to get over the field on guys like that when there's just so many high upside quarterbacks above them who aren't getting who are also not going over owned. So you just want to get to the higher upside guys who you can still get at pretty reasonable ownership. So the guy that I'm getting to the most right now in the current build I have is actually Tom Brady, who I, I look at all the quarterbacks we have here. And, you know, obviously Brady is as much upside as anybody on this league. Maybe Josh Allen because of the rushing upside is the absolute highest ceiling quarterback, but we are getting Brady at a little bit of an ownership discount compared to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And something else that you like to see is that the the Buccaneers offensive line, which looked like it was going to be really banged up last week. I think it was Jensen and Wirfs. Both got hurt during last week's game. They hadn't practiced. They both practiced today. Very encouraging sign that I was not expecting. And usually we don't talk too much about offensive linemen, but that would be huge. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going into this weekend's game against the Rams defense, missing two of their top offensive linemen, it would have been, I think, a bigger struggle than most people realize. I know a lot of the public likes to focus on stuff like, oh, my, is Leonard Fournette going to play? And then will that move the line? And nobody really cares from an odds-making standpoint. Missing two offensive linemen really would have mattered. But which of the high-end quarterbacks do you gravitate towards the most relative to ownership? I think it might be Joe Burrow, if, if you consider him a high-end quarterback. He's yeah. 6,600. Um, I, we, we talked about it, all, all these quarterbacks, obviously, on the earlier show, and I kind of it took me a little while to get there, but I just, I feel like the passing options I like, I really like for the Bengals. I really like all three of their main passing options. So I think that's going to lead me to more Joe Burrow and William project for 8.2% ownership. So he is the lowest owned of those top six, you know, reasonable quarterbacks. Um, so I think it's going to be Joe Burrow just because I really like the stack and I like the ownership there. And I feel like they always have, you know, the, the chance to shoot up, but honestly, I'm going to be getting to plenty of all of these guys. I, it might even be reasonable to just play the top six and go over the field on all those six and just kind of fade the, the bottom two. Um, currently I'd say Joe Burrow. Um, but honestly it could change by the, by the time I'm actually making lineups tomorrow, kind of after you make lineups, I feel like you kind of see what can fit and things kind of change for me sometimes based on, you know, just looking at the raw numbers. I like Joe Burrow the best in a vacuum because it's only projected for 8.2% ownership, but uh, oftentimes that kind of changes uh, when I get to making the lineups. Um, since you brought up Tom Brady, now I know this this isn't necessarily a quarterback discussion exactly. Maybe you want to talk about this more in the wide receiver. But uh, Rimpak brought up today that Jalen Ramsey has done pretty well on Mike Evans generally in the past. Are you factoring that in at all? Do you think in your Tom Brady sacks, are you going to be going to Mike Evans anyway? Do you, do you not care about that kind of defensive matchup? Or do you think that you are going to at least factor it in some and go to you know some of the other options? So, no, it's not something I consider. However, not by any doing of my own. I'm just looking through the build I have. And this is never my final build, but I brought it up on other tournament strategy shows we do. I like to have a build in place. Just kind of a rough idea of what I think some of the ownerships I might have will be just for the concept of I could refer to this and say like, oh, these are the players I like relative to ownership because this is what the build I had spit out. I did not get to very much Mike Evans in the build. Not by any doing of my own. This is just what the projections like and some of the inputs that I put into Fantasy Cruncher. But my most rostered pass catchers with Tom Brady are Tyler Johnson and Rob Gronkowski at tight end. I still get to some of Mike Evans, but a lower priority play just because of the points per dollar that he comes in at. Something else that I think is kind of important when it comes to Mike Evans for this week is looking at the salaries over on DK. He's 6,800. Tyreek Hill is 6,600. Stefan Diggs is 6,500. AJ Brown is 6,200. If you want to spend up a little bit, Jamar Chase is there at 7,100. There's a lot of guys that we just kind of have projected better on a points per dollar basis all around the same price range as Mike Evans. So that to me is the more prohibitive factor in getting to Mike Evans. I'm not too, too concerned about the Jalen Ramsey thing. I personally rely more on our data and the projections we have on the site. But for whatever reason that, that Rinpak and I have arrived at the same conclusion, we've gotten there by, by different methods. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And then as for the the other high-end quarterbacks, and, and also something else to mention about quarterback, the, the least important position on the slate this week, if you look at our boom bust tool, for instance, every quarterback is about fairly owned. It's not like there's anybody who's crazy over or under owned. So honestly, if you're playing just some of each of the top quarterbacks, and like I said, I don't think there's enough upside in some of the cheaper guys to really be to to really prioritize them. But in terms of the actual stud level QBs on the slate, they all look fairly similar to me, but Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, is either one of them a stronger priority for you? Um, probably Josh Allen, just because 
Rinpak kind of talked me into this. So I, I probably would have said Patrick Mahomes earlier. I believe Rinpak, the, the stat that he cited, which obviously this is a small sample side, but I believe he said the, the Bills have not allowed more than two passing touchdowns all year, which kind of scares me off of Patrick Mahomes a little bit. Maybe it shouldn't because they're playing Patrick Mahomes. He's a great quarterback. Um, and, and maybe I should have fact-checked this before, before I came on the show. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do so. I, but I believe that that is the stat he cited, is that Josh, uh, that the Bills have not allowed more than two pass touchdowns all year. And if that's the case, that might be enough to make me hesitate just a little bit more on Patrick Mahomes uh, and get to a little bit more Josh Allen. Um, the Chiefs are number 23 in past DVOA, whereas the Bills are number one. So uh, just, you know, that, that metric also supports uh, the the thought that you know you'd, you'd rather attack that Chiefs defense than the Bills defense even though Josh Allen is a little bit more expensive he's also just you know he's a rushing uh, quarterback he can get there in a lot of different ways he's not that much more expensive than Patrick Mahomes uh, and they like to they like to pass the ball a lot too so I think I slightly prefer Josh Allen but uh, they both you know are definitely solid options do you lean a different way there Pretty similar ownership to both of them. And I wish I could come on and just have really strong takes about quarterbacks. Brady's the one I get the most exposure to. But other than that, right now, I really I really don't have strong quarterback takes. I think that other than Tom Brady's my favorite uh, overall. On the low end, I don't really like getting to Ryan Tannehill or Jimmy Garoppolo that much. Other than that, I want to get to Stafford, Burrow, Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, Allen. And I'll have somewhat even exposure to those guys. And then where I think really the decisions I'm going to make is going to be at running back and wide receiver and tight end to a lesser extent. Yeah, I, th I think we're kind of on the same page. I will say I, I kind of like Matthew Stafford too. Just uh, we haven't, I mean, we've talked about him a little bit, but just 6,200, he actually looks incredible in the top stack school, only projects for 11.3% ownership, but he's the top stack 18.7% of the time. And I think that's partially just Cooper Cup is so easy to pair him with. Uh, but his, his receiving options look good. Uh, the Buccaneers, uh, number 10 in past DVOA. I feel like they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So I, I have some interest in Matthew Stafford as well. But yeah, I think we've pretty much covered the quarterbacks. And yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's kind of hard. Quarterbacks is the hardest position, I think, to talk about in terms of figuring out who you like, because it's kind of it's kind of which stacks work the best is what it comes down to. And you kind of have to look at the other positions first. So we can move to running back then. And this is my favorite talking point on the entire slate. Derrick Henry, who there is such a wide range of outcomes with Derrick Henry. And by the way, he is underpriced in a big way this weekend relative to what we saw from him in the regular season. So just bringing up his DK price, for instance, the last time we saw Derrick Henry play, he was 8,900. In the last four weeks prior to him getting hurt, he was 8,900, 9,200, 9,000, 9,000. We open up playoff weekend that doesn't have a lot of the top stud running backs. And Derrick Henry is only 7,500 on DK. So we're getting him at a reduced price point. What, what, what we could expect from him, I really don't know. My gut feeling is that we see a kind of normal workload for him and something else that kind of helps him make that decision is if you do look at our projection for him, we haven't projected for over 100 rushing yards, and that's actually one of the top prop bets that we have of the week over an odd shopper. The over-under at Sportsbooks for Derrick Henry is only 78 and a half rushing yards. Fairly low total, especially when we haven't projected for over 100 rushing yards. But that aside, do you think we just see Derrick Henry play a massive workload this weekend, and how are you going to be handling him in tournaments? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm going to be handling him as though he's going to get – a high workload, uh, maybe, maybe his normal workload, um, just because the field isn't really getting there to the extent that they would, if, if everybody assumed that Derrick Henry was getting a full workload, if he was coming in here without having had an injury, uh, I think the field would be at like 60%, 70% Derrick Henry, just because he would have the highest projection by far, I think of any running back on the slate at, at 7,500. Um, but we only have project for 25.2% ownership. So in this case, because the field isn't making the assumption that he's going to get his full workload, I think I would rather get over the field on Derrick Henry and just hope that he does get his full workload. And even if he, he could get there, even if he doesn't, because he's Derrick Henry, he's one of the best running backs in the game. So um, yeah, I think I'm playing it as though Derrick Henry is getting at least close to his full workload. I'm going to at least just you know, I'm going to hope for the best and I'm going to take that shot and I'm going to go over the field on Derrick Henry, I believe. Uh, you, you think you're also going to get over the field on Henry? Yes. So in the current build I have right now, the, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of my most rostered players right now. I love the upside of Derrick Henry. Obviously there's downside as well because he hasn't played since, let's see, when was it that he played last yeah, week eight? So it's been a considerable amount of time since Derrick Henry was on the field. There's a couple of different ways to look at it. 
Number one, is he totally healthy? It's kind of hard to say. But number two, is he just going to have fresh legs when most of the other players on the field don't? Something I've been tweeting about recently, Jarek McKinnon had so much success last week. I don't think it's because he's just some crazy, crazy talented running back. You can make a case he was younger in his career, but he's older now. He's had a lot of injuries. It's just a case of he had not played basically the entire season. He had fresh legs when nobody else on the field did. So it just looks like he's moving faster than everybody else because he's healthier. I think that Derrick Henry being healthy in the playoffs, we might be able to see something similar and maybe a well-rested Derrick Henry adds a different element there. So can I say with 100% certainty that we're going to see peak Derrick Henry totally 100% healthy handling his 30-plus touches? No, but just because of the upside is something that I'm willing to bank on. Uh, and then I want to tie in the, the Jarek McKinnon discussion here at the same point. One of my least favorite plays on this layer, now, actually maybe my least favorite play overall, because it looks like there's going to be Clyde edwards Alaire back in the mix for the Kansas City Chiefs. I get McKinnon was good last week, but how are you viewing him when he's a fairly popular play because he had one good game after he did nothing for the entire regular season? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. If the field is going to get there, then I would rather fade him. I believe Daryl Williams also practiced today. I don't think he's been ruled out yet this weekend. Um, so they could have a full back. Uh, they could have all three of the running backs in the rotation, in which case it would be hard for me to get to Jerry McKinnon. I understand it. And, and, and if you were really low owned, I would want to take that shot because he did look really good last week. There is at least some chance that they saw what he did last week and they thought, that might be our best running back and let's throw him out there. Certainly hasn't been Clyde Edwards Alaire. So um, yeah, there, there's some chance that they do like him the best of their running backs, but if the field is going to make that assumption and currently we have a project for 18% ownership, I don't think I can get to that 18% number. I just don't think it's a high enough chance that he will be the top running back there or that it won't be just a, a three headed monster. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really hard for me to get to Jared McKinnon, even at 4,800, even after watching him and he did look really good last week. I still think it's just, it's tough to get there this week. Yeah, that's, I feel the exact same way. And then somebody else who I feel differently about kind of in the same vein and also a shout out to uh, Winky Christ, who's in the chat right now, big Rams fan and, uh, uh, people who are, who are in DFS, uh, involved in DFS Twitter probably know who he is and, he wants to know if we've talked about the Rams yet and good timing. Cause I just wanted to bring up cam acres next as well. He looked awesome last week when he touched the ball. I know the efficiency numbers weren't really there for him, but considering that Daryl Henderson has been ruled out again, I like getting to cam acres a lot here too, because he's somebody who just based on what we saw from him last week. And obviously there's no way to prove this or back it up. He would have crushed this year for fantasy. Had he been healthy all year, obviously he wasn't, but same situation with what I was talking about when it comes to somebody like Jarek McKinnon, is I think just him having fresh legs when a lot of players on the field didn't have fresh legs. I think Cam Akers is maybe as, as kind of awkward or weird as this might sound. I think he could be more effective in the playoffs because he tore his Achilles earlier in the year. He didn't have any of the, any of the wear and tear from the regular season. Cam Akers is my favorite value running back for cheap this week. How do you think his workload is going to look now that we have another week under his belt? 17 carries for him last weekend. So I, you say good timing, I say bad timing because Winky Christ is in here uh, when we're talking about <laughs> the one Rams player that I'm a little bit afraid to play this week, just because the ownership, we haven't projected for 17.4% ownership in a matchup that's pretty tough against the Buccaneers. Um, he does look really good in the boom bust tool. So uh, if you are inclined to play Cam Akers, uh, the tools agree with you and you probably should. If, if you really think that he's a great play, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. This is a spot where I'm a little bit afraid to go with the tools just because I like so many running backs in that range. And because they're playing against the Bucks defense, number 12 in rush DVOA, just a, a solid uh, rush defense. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to get to Cam Akers just because of all the other options that I like in that range. I'm glad I don't have chat, chat open because I don't <laughs> want to see Winky Christ reaction to my, uh, my Cam Akers fade. I think I, I chose him as my fade uh, of the week oh, no. on, the, on the contrary show, but the tools, are great. he looks, he looks like one of the best plays in the tools. Uh, I'm a little bit afraid, but I think it makes some sense. If, if you believe that he's going to get a full workload and you're not afraid of that Bucks. Uh, defense then maybe get there do we have any concerns about Andrew Whitworth being out I I don't know much about offensive linemen in general I'll just I'll fess up to that I usually wait and see what the projections tell me and how it affects the lines and stuff we just learned that Andrew with Whitworth is not going to be playing in this game I wonder if that hurts even more just not having one of their starting tackles 
that's some, so to me, and this is also something that's going to be going back to us. I, I think that Jensen Wirfs potentially being out for the Buccaneers would have had a bigger impact than Whitworth being out. But once again, I'm also not exactly sure how to analyze that. It certainly doesn't help. Uh, but it's not something that I'm going to totally change how, how I view this game. If 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 the if the Rams were going, if the uh, Bucks were going to be without two of their starting offensive linemen, that was actually something that I was going to bet the Rams based on. But I'm not going to be changing my Acres projections or the amount of exposure I want to get to them just based on that kind of news. And then something else to talk about: Leonard Fournette's going to be really popular this week, and. I think for a good reason. I think Leonard Fournette, Cam Akers, similarly priced. But at the same time, too, I think Cam Akers is good leverage off of Leonard Fournette because what's the situation where potentially Leonard Fournette fails and Cam Akers plays? Well, the Rams win the game. The Rams are running out the clock with Cam Akers in the fourth quarter. And that would be a situation where maybe the the Buccaneers have to throw the football. There's not as many touches going to Leonard Fournette. I still like Fournette, but I do view Akers as a potential leverage play off them for that reason. How are you viewing Fournette this weekend, considering all the kind of weirdness and uncertainty we've seen with the Buccaneers, not just in this playoffs, but going back to last year where they had all the weird stuff with Ronald Jones? Yeah, so I'm not really I'm letting it uh, scare me off a little bit less. Which maybe that's maybe that's a problem because the Rams are number five in rush DVA. So it's a tough matchup for Leonard Fournette as well. Um, but I feel like he's typically when he's in there, he is the number one, the clear number one running back for the team, as opposed to Cam Akers. I feel like it's sort of a timeshare with Sony Michelle. And maybe that was just, he's still getting his footing and he's uh, ramping up to being the clear number one. That could be the case with Cam Akers, but I feel like Leonard Fournette, we've just seen it more that we know he is typically when he's in there, he's the guy. Um, he looks incredible in the, in the boom bust tool, 26.7% projected ownership, optimal 39.8% of the time. So I like Leonard Fournette. Uh, he, he's one of the guys that I'm getting be getting to more so than Cam Akers. I think this week I'll be getting to a heavier share of Fournette than Cam Akers. Yeah, and we have them projected higher. They have about the same salary. So I do think that's sensible. I personally prefer Akers a little bit, but we're just kind of splitting hairs here. I think both of them are good plays. The one thing that and there's, you know, similar concerns about both these guys. I've talked about this a lot about coaches, particularly in basketball, but it applies to football as well. Coaches are dirty, filthy liars. They are not fair to us. They are not honest. They do not tell us what's really going on. And I am frankly pretty scared that Leonard Fournette missed last week and he's dealing with that hamstring injury. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. And I definitely have concerns with, are we going to see the total full normal workload from Leonard Fournette? Maybe we'll get news on it before the game plays this weekend. But even if we get news, it could be wrong because coaches like to lie to us. So that is something that also weighs on me when I see Leonard Fournette dealing with a hamstring injury which is something that could potentially linger. Uh, Opening up the running back position to the rest of the guys on the board, who are the players that stand out to you the most in the position that we have not talked about yet? At the running, I I really like Eli Mitchell. Um, I feel like I'm just really intrigued by the workload. He gets over 20 carries every week lately. Um, So I think a lot of people are going to be afraid of Debo Samuel getting in too much rushing work, but I feel like Eli Mitchell still gets enough every week he gets over 20 carries every week he's targeted a little bit he had five catches uh I mean he doesn't get a ton of work in the passing game but he's at least shown that they can throw the ball to him some uh the Packers are ranked number 28th in rush DVOA per football outsiders so I think Eli Mitchell is a guy that I'm the most interested in uh outside of Leonard Fournette in that range only projected for 17.6 percent ownership optimal 21.9% of the time. Of course, those same numbers would support Cam Akers even more so than they support Eli Mitchell. So uh, I think I think all of those running backs in that range make some sense. Um, Devin Singletary, kind of the same. He, he also looks great in the boom bust tool, projected for 23.4% ownership, optimal 25% of the time. Uh, so it kind of seems like all of the running backs, all the viable running backs in that range look really good in the tools. They all uh, have positive leverage scores in the boom bust tool. I think the one that just intrigues me the most is probably Eli Mitchell, just because the ownership's not really getting there. And I really like the matchup. I'm looking forward to Eli Mitchell getting more targets than Debo Samuel, but Debo Samuel getting more rushing attempts. Than it's Eli definitely Mitchell. in play, right? It, it, it it's in, it's, I, wish, I wish there was a prop offer that at Sportsbooks, and we'll talk about Debo Samuel a little bit later, but th- there's nobody I've had more difficulty projecting this year than Debo Samuel just because he's such a unique role that nobody else in the league plays, and 
it's something that it's so reliant on rushing touchdowns that I don't totally buy into, but I also think he's uber talented. So all kinds of conflicts when I talk about Debo Samuel, how are you going to be handling the Packers running back situation? Cause this is another one where AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, both of them clearly have upside, but I never know which guy it's going to be. And I don't think anybody else knows either. It's a situation that's kind of a timeshare, but it leans a little bit towards Aaron Jones, but Dylan's always a little bit more favorably priced from a points per dollar sense. We also have AJ Dillon looks really good in the boom bust tool. He looks like one of the more under-owned running backs on the slate. I guess based on just some of our data we have on the site in terms of how often he projects between the optimal lineup, you'd rate out as a good tournament play. But I'm just afraid of playing AJ Dillon. The Packers being like, hey, it's the playoffs. We're gonna give we're gonna give Aaron Jones the ball a bunch of times, and AJ Dillon touches the ball five times or something like that. How do you look at the split between the Packers running backs and who, if either, are you going to prioritize in tournaments? So if, if the numbers stay the same they are right now, it's going to be A.J. Dillon for me. I'm not totally afraid of that because I feel like A.J. Dillon isn't just like a backup running back. I feel like he is an actually really talented running back and he's shown that he can handle a big workload. So for me, I prefer A.J. Dillon if things stay the way they are right now. We currently have Aaron Jones projected for 18% ownership and A.J. Dillon projected for 13% ownership, despite Aaron Jones being 6,800 and A.J. Dillon being 5,100. So just based on those numbers, I would really prefer AJ Dillon. He looks great, as you said, in the boom bust tool, uh, 21, 20.7% optimal lineup rate, which is a very positive leverage score for AJ Dillon. Um, so of the two of them, if I'm playing one and things are right the way they are right now, I'd go AJ Dillon. It's tough because uh, the Niners are number two in rush DVOA on the year. So you don't really want to target running backs against the Niners. The Packers are a good enough offense that they can probably score on anybody. Um, yeah, so if things, my, my expectation would probably be that Aaron Jones's projected ownership comes down and AJ Dillon's either stays the same or comes up, uh, in which case it could flip. It could become, you know, we could see Aaron Jones become a positive leverage score if his ownership comes down a good amount. And we could see AJ Dillon become a negative leverage score. I just, the way the ownership is right now, it's hard for me not to like AJ Dillon better because he's 5,100 and it just doesn't take as big of a score at 5,100 to be, uh, in the optimal lineup. So I think right now it'd be AJ Dillon, but wouldn't shock me if those numbers change and, and neither of them are really high priorities for me. And yeah, that, that's how I feel too. I, I, I don't totally buy into the numbers on the AJ Dillon just because I've had, and this is personal, I try to take personal bias out of the equation, but it's hard. And I've been burned by the Packers running back situation so many times this year. So like, do I really want to do this on the last full slate of season? Am I really falling for the Packers running back trap again? So I hope the numbers change by tomorrow just because I don't want to go for it. But if he's going to show up as being this under-owned in our boom-bust tool, then I'm probably going to. But I certainly don't also, feel comfortable with it. I feel like when, when I fade Aaron Jones, he scores like four touchdowns. Like he doesn't just like <laughs> beat you a little bit. He just like they, for some reason, they throw it to him every time in the red zone. He just becomes, you know, the best running back in the game. So I get it. It's a little bit scary. Yeah. And also, I mean, his workload's all over the place. You look at uh, just some of the games to close out the season and it's, you know, week 12, he gets 10 carries week 14, five carries and the week after that 13 carries and he scores a touchdown. So just kind of all over the place in Packers workload with the running backs. It's very, very difficult to project one more RB that I wanted to ask your opinion on that's Devin Singletary, who we saw for the longest time, the Buffalo bills were just not a team that ran the football very often. All of a sudden out of nowhere, week 15, they decide Devin Singletary is our guy. We're going to prioritize running the football more since that point in time. 22 carries, 12, 23, 19, 16. This comes from a guy who almost never had more than 10 carries in games earlier in the season. So even in this matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs, where there's probably going to be a lot of scoring, a lot of throwing of the football, do you think the Bills stick with this game plan of running the ball with Devin Singletary more? Yeah, I think so. I think that this would be the kind of game where it might make sense for them to kind of slow the game down a little bit. Um I don't know. I, I think that he is, he's, they've, they've kind of shown that they think that he is their best running back. He probably is their best running back uh, in a high scoring game against the chiefs number 20 defense in rush DVOA. I think I'm willing to take shots on Devin Singletary at this price tag, just because yeah, they, they've, they're willing to give him the bulk of the carries. Um, obviously it, it sucks that Josh Allen is there to vulture touchdowns at any moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, I would think that he's going to get somewhere around 20 carries. And if he does, I think that he's going to look pretty good against the Chiefs defense uh, at 5,900. 
Yeah, I, I agree. He's somebody else who in my current build, I'm getting to a decent amount. I'm overweight to the field on him. I also like the salary savings he offers and lets me pay for some of the stud wide receivers that we're about to talk about. Uh, so to me, he is a fairly high priority play at running back. Uh, any other RBs we haven't talked about that you want to bring up here or should we move on to the wide receivers? Yeah, there's nobody else who's a high priority for me. I mean, Joe Mixon looks fine at his uh, at his salary. He's only projected for 22.6% ownership. I'm not going overboard. He's not really one of my favorites, but you can get to Joe Mixon. Um, yeah, I think we pretty much have covered all of them. Yeah, I'm pretty bummed out that my GBP play of the week last week in Keyshawn Vaughn, I, I still think he would have done well had we not gotten Leonard Fournette ruled out because Fournette would have gone in there gimpy and Vaughn would have gotten the touches. Uh, instead, of course, Fournette gets ruled out and then everybody plays Vaughn anyway. And then yep. I'm sure anybody was watching after fact where I'm like, look at this low-owned GPP play of the slate. I'm on Keyshawn Vaughn. I was like, oh, this idiot. We're all playing Keyshawn Vaughn. Yep. But uh, yep. I, I, don't, I don't have any of those are running back this week. There's nobody who I look at who's like sub 5% owned that I'm really going to prioritize. So. I wish I could put on the glass and, and do my deal. With are, you gonna, are you going to have play. a deal with it for a wide receiver? Or there, is there a different position you've got to deal with it play? Well, we'll find out. People All have right. to stick around, watch the rest of the show to know for sure. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm undecided. It might just come on spur of the moment where I break out the shades. So mm-hmm. like, the vi- like the video, maybe more likes will inspire me to come up with a tournament play. Uh, also something you guys should be checking out. Jock Market, sponsoring today's strategy show. And Jock Market, this is a different way to play daily fantasy sports. It's basically a stock market, but for athletes. So it's really fun. There's an IPO period where you could buy shares of players. And then even after the game start, it doesn't mean that the slate is over. You still buy and sell shares of players as the games are going on. Somebody's playing really well and you want to sell high on them. You could do that. You could buy low on somebody you think is going to turn their game around. Also something you could do when you download the app. Stop using the promo code AWESOMEOAT and you get up to a $50 bonus on your first deposit. And Jockmark will also guarantee your first slate up to $100. So you deposit $50, you get a $50 deposit bonus. And even if you totally strike out and suck on your first slate at Jockmark, they're going to refund you. So something to take advantage of. Let's move on over to the wide receiver position. And somebody who's not going to be a contrarian option because a lot of people played in basically every slate this year and for good reason. Cooper Cup, you and I have talked about him as being one of our favorite wide receiver plays every single slate for the entire season. Has anything changed for you heading into this week of the playoffs? He still looks on her own. It's funny. Every, every yep. week he's <laughs> owned a lot and he's still on her own. Yeah, we got him projected for 29.2% ownership, optimal 33.4% of the time, even at 8,600. There are just the pricing is soft. Uh, Rinpak brought that up that DraftKings likes yeah. to do this often uh, in the playoffs because a lot of more casual players play so they do softer pricing so that people can just play their favorite players um so yeah we have a lot of soft pricing on this like cooper cup is you know 8600 seems kind of expensive but it's actually a reasonable price tag for cooper cup i'm probably going to be over the field on cooper cup just because i think that there are a lot of cheap running backs that i'm really comfortable with that makes it easy to pay up at wide receiver Uh, and he is probably my favorite pay up option so yeah i think uh the 8600 price tag is reasonable on cup yep if you have the salary to pay up for Cooper Cup this weekend, do it. He's he's the best he's the best fantasy player in the league, and by a pretty wide margin, you could you could say that there was times this this year where we were a little higher on Jonathan Taylor, who was a higher priority. Cooper Cup basically crushed every week, and his bad games. Here's a bad game for Cooper Cup. Last week against Arizona, the game was a blowout. They didn't have to throw the ball that much in the second half. The Rams. He still finishes with 17.1 fantasy points. That's that's the floor for Cooper Cup. A bad game for Cooper Cup, we're getting 17 fantasy points. It's just so unlikely that he ruins the lineup for you. I love the upside. I love the floor as well. And he also isn't like higher owned than these other guys when he really should be. Stefan Diggs, comparable ownership. Tyree Kill, comparable ownership. A.J. Brown, tech, uh, uh, comparable ownership. Cooper Cup should be the guy who uh, should be the number one, I think, by a pretty wide margin. He's in over half of my lineups in the current build I have right now, and I have no issue taking that kind of stand uh, with Cooper Cup. As for the other stud wide receivers on this slate, who's the next one that stands out to you the most? Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown. None of them are going to match up quite with Cooper Cup, but who's the secondary best option for you? It's either Devontae Adams or Jamar, Jamar Chase, just because I, I like going to uh, the Bengals stacks. But it's probably it's probably Devontae Adams just in a vacuum. He just gets such high volume. Um, he's only projected for 20.4% ownership, so... It's probably Devontae Adams, but then, like I said, Jamar Chase is not far behind there either. I really like him as well. Only protected for a 14.1% ownership. 
you saw last week, it was the first time that I felt like they were feeding him the ball. I feel like oftentimes he just makes something out of nothing is how Jamar Chase gets there. Last week, it felt more like they were really trying to force the ball to Chase. Uh, and hopefully they keep doing that in the playoffs. Because I think that he, he might be a really solid play at 7,100. If they're really going to be focused on getting the ball to Chase, uh, then I'm going to want to go there. So it's a toss-up for me between De- Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase. Um, and then obviously Tyreek Hill looks great. He's he's so cheap at 6,600. Um, usually you see Hill a lot more expensive than that. Um, so, and, and, and Stefan Diggs as well looks uh, pretty solid at 6,500. He doesn't look as good as, as Tyreek Hill to me, but uh, it's still a reasonable price tag. And uh, we haven't projected for 28.9% ownership, which surprises me a little bit after his dud last week. I was kind of hoping that we would get uh, Stefan Diggs at, at lower ownership uh, based on due to a, somewhat of a dud last week, but does look like we're going to get it. So I think it's going to be uh, Tyree Kill for me after after Chase and Devontae Adams. Do you have a different order there? Not really. And this is also, I hate to be a fence sitter here because I asked you the question. I expected a response from you, but I don't really have one because I like Cooper Cup so much more than these other guys and everybody else just kind of the same to me. Like I don't see too much of a differentiation between the two. I'm paying up for Cooper Cup, and then whoever else I get to is probably just going to be correlated to whoever I get with as my quarterback. The one thing I will say, I don't like Debo Samuel as much as the other pay-up options at wide receiver. Debo Samuel at 7,600. I'd rather roster, obviously, we're paying up. I'd rather pay up for Cooper Cup. I like the salary savings on A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill, and Stephon Diggs over Debo Samuel. I'm just so concerned about the targets for him, also relative to his salary. So I get he finished with not a great, but a good fantasy game last week. But once again, something you and I have talked about, three targets last week. And something else that I think we have to consider here beyond just the three targets is what happens in a game where the 49ers get behind against the Green Bay Packers? Are are they still going to be running the ball with Debo Samuel a lot? Because this is the biggest, they are the biggest underdog on the slate. I know they're not massive underdogs, but still they're five point underdogs. If Debo Samuel is only going to get targeted three to six times in a game like this, and they're not really able to run the ball as much, is, is that anything that kind of weighs on you when we're considering some of these high-end wide receivers? So my assumption would be, if they get behind, that they just throw the ball to Debo more. Like, their, their hand would be forced. I feel like we, we've sort of been on... You know, not the opposite sides of Debo Samuel, but you've been a little bit more cautious with Debo than I have the past several weeks. Uh, I feel like early on in the year, you were very much on Debo as well, and that was working out well. Um, But I feel like recently you've kind of gone away from Debo because they've gone away from throwing him the ball. And I've always been on the side of, I don't really care that we don't know how he's going to get his volume as long as we know that they're going to try to get him the ball. And he's kind of been somewhere in the middle, I think, for the most part. I think neither of us has been right, neither of us has been wrong. Um, But I, I think that I'm... I think it's, I'm still the same way. I'm, I'm still comfortable going to Debo. He hasn't really shown the massive ceiling, so maybe maybe I should be fading him uh, a little bit more than I am. But I feel like just if he is rushing the ball, he's rushing the ball against a terrible Packers rush defense. Uh, and if they get behind, I would think that they would still try to get Debo the ball because he is their most talented offensive player. So uh, it doesn't scare me away that much. I would just hope that they take more shots, you know, throw, throw it farther downfield to Debo Samuel uh, than they have been in general. So it doesn't scare me away that much. I think I he doesn't look great in the boom bust duel. I think that I'm going to be close to even with the field on Debo. I'm not... I'm not comfortable with them to the point that I like, I want to slam in Debo like I do with Cooper cup. It's just, uh, I think that I'm comfortable getting to even with the field about with Debo Samuel, because I just think that they, they know that he's their best player. They do try to get him the ball. It's just, it doesn't always make sense to us the way that they get him the ball, but I think they're still going to. So I think I'll probably be close to the field on Debo. I've got, I've got something exciting, Neil. We've got breaking news right here. And I think I could work a bit into this. Okay. We've got an injury update. We've got some medical news here to hit on. So we were just talking about the Chiefs injury situation, running back news coming out live while we're on the show. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, not on the injury report. So we're going to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire in there. Darrell Williams officially listed as questionable. So there we go. We've got injury news right there. I could take the mask off now. What's your immediate reaction to that? How does that impact how we view Jarek McKinnon? I don't like him this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, so if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is playing oh man it's tough because Clyde like it wouldn't be that shocking if they're just like yeah Jarek McKinnon has played one game as a starter and he was better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been in any game this year so yes it wouldn't be that shocking to see them actually just decide hey I'd rather go to we'd rather go to Jarek McKinnon than Clyde Edwards-Alaire so I think 
this makes me somewhat more interested in Jarek McKinnon. And obviously, if we do get uh, the news, uh, the Daryl Williams news will affect how I play it. If Daryl Williams is in and they have three viable running backs, I will probably be under the field on Jarek McKinnon. If he's out, I'll probably get closer to the field just because I think it's more likely there that that they go to Jarek McKinnon over Clyde Edwards-Alaire than it is that they would go to him over Daryl Williams because I feel like Daryl Williams has been better this year. Yes, that's that's true. Also, it, it, certainly, if Daryl Williams plays, I can't I can't confidently roster any three running backs. We're all likely to get touches. I don't want anything to do with that. But even if there's going to be uh, Daryl Williams out, I, I still think it's going to be some somewhat of a timeshare between Ceh and Daryl Williams. And there's a lot of running backs to like who are fairly cheaply priced. So to me, especially because McKinnon's projected for 18 percent ownership right now. I'll be looking elsewhere, but once again, more updates will be coming. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and check out all the content we have tomorrow. Let's talk about some of the cheap wide receivers. Which of the value options at wideout are the ones that stand out the most to you to save some salary with? So the one that I like immediately is Tyler Johnson, who you already brought up as somebody that you like, so I'm glad to hear that yep. we are on the same page there. He looks great in the boom bust tool, 5.3% uh, projected ownership, but optimal 12.5% of the time. I would assume he's going to get more ownership than that uh, as, as more info comes out. He played 77% of the snaps in their last game. There's a chance that Jalen Ramsey is covering Mike Evans and they're forced to throw to their other receivers. But I just think there's a lot of reasons to like Tyler Johnson in this spot. Uh, so I think that he's probably my favorite at 3,700. Um, I also like Prashad Perriman, uh, same team, only project for 2.9% ownership, but optimal 9.8% of the time. He was only in on 49% of the snaps last week, but he's the kind of player that can do it on just one big play. So I have some interest there. Um, Tyler Boyd, if you consider him a value option, you know, I'll include him in, in my Bengals stacks for sure, for sure. And probably some as a one-off as well, uh, only project for 9.1% ownership at 4,800. He's optimal 14.5% of the time. Um, I don't what, what do you think of Isaiah McKenzie? He's somebody that like, I sort of have interest in. I feel like there's a chance that his snap rate just keeps coming up and that he gets targeted more and more. He was, he played 34% of the snaps last week, which was more than Cole Beasley, which kind of came out of nowhere, at least, at least to me as somebody who doesn't watch every bills game, it kind of surprised me. I thought that they loved Cole Beasley um, to the detriment of my best ball teams. Uh, there <laughs> seem to be, they might be liking Isaiah McKenzie better. Do you have any take on Isaiah McKenzie? Do you think he's a play that you'll go to at all? let's see where's he at right now in terms of projected ownership it's not like he's i mean he's not popular but he's not totally unowned he is at six percent ownership we haven't projected really low also so cole beasley for a lot of, beasley sucked this year for fantasy he still played snaps he got targets he just did nothing with them so going back to the last handful of weeks uh, start week 15, he had eight targets, caught four of them for 35 yards, six targets, two for 22, five targets, four for 31. Last week, he only was targeted once. So, you know, that week aside, we've seen him get five plus targets fairly regularly and just not done anything with them. McKenzie might be better, but they still have other guys to throw to. It's, you know, there's still Dawson Knox is getting targets. Stefan Diggs is getting targets. Emmanuel Sanders has been in the mix this year. And then obviously Gabriel, it's, there's so many weapons in that, in that Buffalo Bills offense. They could throw to Devin Singletary out of the backfield. It's hard for me to prioritize anybody outside of Stefan Diggs. Cause I really don't know who else is going to be running routes or getting targets on a week to week basis. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like there are enough really solid options in the other games um, to add, to add on another one, Van Jefferson looks really good as a value play at 4,200 only project for 8.3% own ownership, but optimal 12.4% of the time. And now with Marquez Valdez Scantling being out, I feel like you can play both Alan Lazard or I don't know if he's been ruled out yet, but he's, I think doubtful. So I think you'll be able to go to Alan Lazard at 4,400 or Randall Cobb at 3,100. So yeah, I kind of think that there are enough cheap options out there. Um, that look really good that you don't necessarily need to go there um, to Isaiah McKenzie, but he's somebody, if the ownership is low enough and those other guys ownership come up, I'll, I'll just be tracking uh, where the ownership goes closer to lock. Um, I might have, he's somebody I would consider in the event that the ownership comes up on the other guys and his does not come up. Um, and then Jawan Jennings, the only other cheap receiver that I think I should throw out there. Project for 5.9% ownership, 6.6% uh, optimal. He played 51% of the snaps last week and he's only 3,400. So I think uh, he, he's the last of the cheap receivers that I have interest in.
he's looked good this year too. And he's been on the field. Like we've seen him make a number of explosive plays to the point too, where, you know, remember earlier in the year when Brandon Ayuk was kind of on the outs and trying to figure out what was going to happen with his role moving forward is uh, as my phone goes off there is. So when we're trying to figure that out is Shannon had said to the media that, you know, Ayuk has to work his way back in. He said he didn't want to take Juwan Jennings off the field. And for good reason, he's played fairly well when he's gotten snaps this year. So I don't mind him as a shout out as a lower owned value wide receiver. My number one favorite guy, though, here, just to get back to him is Tyler Johnson. And this is going to be confirmation bias because he's already popped up in my lineups and I've decided that I'm going to be playing him a decent amount. But here's something that makes me feel good about Tyler Johnson for a weird reason. He had that route last week. Remember, he kind of pulled up short and then Tom Brady overthrew him. Brady got really upset and was yelling at him in the huddle. We've seen a lot of those situations with Tom Brady before where just that guy gets yanked off the field, doesn't become a part of the offense. He was still willing to, tar- to target Tyler Johnson in important situations down the stretch of the game. So I think that's something that also gives me a little bit of a vote of confidence in Tyler Johnson. It's like, hey, he made some mistakes. He didn't have the best game in the world. He pulled up short on that route where Brady was expecting him to keep running but they didn't take him off the field. They kept targeting him. So that makes me feel com- uh, comfortable and confident that he's going to play a significant role moving forward during the Bucks playoff run. Yeah, I like that reasoning. Just one more reason to like Tyler Johnson. If Tom Brady is willing to work with him and wants to get him involved, then that's more reason to play him. Anything else at the wide receiver position that you want to talk about here before we move over to tight ends? Yeah, so uh, we haven't really talked about the mid-range as much. I kind of went f- straight from the top to the cheap end. There are some mid-range. I really like T. Higgins. I feel like the ownership is just going to be really suppressed by his terrible game last week. And, of course, I brought up the, the fact that they seem to be feeding Jamar Chase last week. If that is the case, it might be to the detriment of T. Higgins. Uh, but I'm willing to take the chance there. I just think that he's a talented enough receiver, and his ownership is going to be a little bit suppressed by that uh, game last week. We only projected for 17.2% ownership, but he's optimal 26.7% of the time. So I have interest there. Uh, Brandon Ayuk actually got 83, was in on 83% of the offensive snaps last week. He doesn't look incredible in the tools, but I like that number. I mean, that means he's playing as much as you'd want him to as a starter. Um, He's somebody who could play. And then uh, just finally, Odell Beckham Jr., of course, looks fine. He's a very neutral play uh, in the boom bust tool. He's 5,300. You can play him. I'd play him, obviously, and more likely to play him in my Ram stacks. Um, But he's definitely a, a solid play as well. Uh, let's see. T- yeah. T Higgins rating out, uh, somebody else who we had kind of glanced over is right now the most positively leveraged wide receiver, actually maybe the most positive leverage skill position player on the entire slate for us in the boom bust tool. Uh, is he, if, if you could only roster one Bengals wide receiver, would he be the guy you go to? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I see it the same way. Also his price just kind of fits in with stacks for any other team. Whereas Jamar chase, if you're trying to play him, obviously it makes a lot of sense with Joe Burrow, but a little more, a little more difficult to get to Jamar Chase and say, you know, a, a Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford stack than it would be to plug T. Higgins in there. So I, I think I see that the same way. If you guys want access to all the tools that Neil and I talk about on the show and help us build all of our DFS lineups, you get access to all of them for pretty much every single DFS sport out there for an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. We also have packages for as low as just $3.95 weekly if you're just looking for an NFL pass. Stop guessing, start winning, join Osmo Plus today. Let's hit on the tight end position. And something similar to what I echoed last week is we only have four games this weekend and still better tight end options than what we had on like 80% of regular season slates because we have Rob Gronkowski, we have Tyler Higby, we have George Kittle, we have Travis Kelsey, all these stud tight ends to choose from, who's your number one priority at the position? It's probably Gronk. I think uh, I think it's still Gronk. Uh, Rimpak kind of talked me into George Kittle a little bit. I was I was feeling doubt about George Kittle just because he wasn't, uh, seemed to be like they were rushing it a lot more last week. They didn't really target him and I had him in so many lineups. So I was still <laughs> feeling the sting a little bit, I guess. And Rimpak uh, brought me to my senses and I saw George Kittle is 5,300 and only projected for 20% ownership. So, so I'd say George Kittle is not far behind, but it's still probably Gronk. Uh, just 5,800 against the, the Rams in a game where, you know, they, they should be passing a lot. Uh, there's a chance that Jalen Ramsey is shadowing Mike Evans. Uh, and he just looks great in the boom bust tools is really what it comes down to. We project for 26.7% ownership, but optimal 30% of the time. I think it's probably Gronk for me. Um, but there, there are a lot of really solid uh, tight end options here. Do you have a different favorite tight end here? 
it is Gronk for me as well. He's the one I have the most exposure to in my current build. And talking about the George Kittle situation, first of all, he loves blocking and he's really good at it. George Kittle is maybe the best blocking tight end in the league. And he was good last week. It just, if you're just playing fantasy, you would just look at the box and be like, well, Gronk, uh, Kittle sucked last week, but he made a number of big blocks for them in the running game. And it was also a game script that just set up well for the 49ers to run. And we look at the last few games for the San Francisco 49ers, all games were not good from a fantasy standpoint from George Kittle, but they were also all pretty run heavy games. They played the Texans. They won 23 to seven game against the Rams. He was targeted seven times in that game, but the passing game wasn't he targeted three times. He was blocking a lot of the game, the way this game script sets up. If the 49ers are going to be down by, you know, five, six, seven points, something around with the spread says they should be in the second half of this game. They're going to throw the ball more. And I think George Kittle is the guy who they're going to end up targeting more. So I agree, especially considering what his price point is. I like being overweight to the field on him. Uh, In terms of the tight end position, I really only have significant exposure right now to Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, and then Tyler Higbee to a lesser extent, just because of where he's at in the price point. I know that CJ Uzoma had the big fantasy game last week. I'm not going to go chasing that. There's more talented tight ends, in my opinion, to get to this weekend. Are there any of these cheaper tight ends that you are really trying to prioritize, whether it be Uzoma or maybe uh, DeGuerra or or somebody like that? Uh, There's none that I would say I'm trying to prioritize. I think that I'll get to some of all of them. DeGuerra has a positive leverage score in the boom bust tool. He's only 3,000, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, as you mentioned, Uzoma, he's done it a few times this year. We just has big spikes, spike games out of nowhere. Um, so 3,400, that's a reasonable price tag. I'll get to some of these guys, but yeah, I wouldn't say that any of them uh, uh, who are cheaper than Tyler Higby are a priority. Tyler Higby, as you mentioned, looks looks good, uh, solid on the boom bust tool. He's optimal 21.2% of the time. So you really like that. Uh, Dawson Noss looks fine, but yeah, I think, I think I'm, I'm mostly limited to those more expensive tight ends as well. So let's move on to the way that we like to close out the show and defenses. Sorry, we didn't have time for you. I hate you and I don't like talking about you. So skip over them, but Neil, we're going to close out like this. And for the last time that we could do this for, for the entire season, actually, because we can't really do it next week for, for just two individual games. But if you're playing a single entry GPP lineup, Neil, what would be your quarterback to wide receiver stack for, for this four game slate? So I, so I already did this once today on the, on the contrary <laughs> show, and I chose the Bengals for that one. So I'm just going to mix it up because Winky Christ is here. I'm going to say it's the Rams. Uh, they're my second favorite stack anyway. Uh, so I, I really like Stafford to cup and I'll say Van Jefferson. Going with what I started with at the top of the show, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Tyler Johnson. That's my most rostered stack right now. I like the salary savings it offers. There's also reasonable ownership there. We've got a really low owned play in there in Tyler Johnson, a little bit of an ownership discount on Tom Brady as well. That is going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you very much for watching. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, enjoy the football games this weekend and good luck. All good. I was trying to make sure we had us out by 350.